Welcome to the Life and Science podcast. I'm your host Arjun. Today we are joined by Dr. Anna Schleitz from the Heidelberg University Biochemistry Center. Her group's focus is organelle dynamics during mitosis, which I find very fascinating. Welcome to the show, Dr. Schleitz. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Uh, thanks for the invitation, Arjun. We are very excited to have you join us. So, to start off, uh, what subjects interested you during your childhood? So um, yeah, I have to say, even though my grandparents were farmers and my mother a horticultural engineer, I was quite indifferent to the natural world as a child. And I, I read a lot and I was interested in history and foreign countries. And that may be due to the fact that I was born and was a child in East Germany, where we were not allowed to travel freely. And so I, I enjoyed reading about Greek temples and Egyptian pyramids and uh, dreaming of going there. And so I also um, yeah, ended up getting interested in history and languages. And I came kind of close to pursuing a major in history, but then I also uh, enjoyed mathematics, which led me to enter a science high school where my favorite subject ended up being chemistry. So what made your interest in shift to biosciences? So yeah, then actually I came from the chemistry side to the life sciences. And I have to say I had a really great chemistry teacher back then. And I can vividly remember how we uh, discussed amino acids and nucleic acids in chemistry class. And how I was fascinated and really struck by the fact that life can be built on such pretty simple chemical structures. And I think that really led me to study um, to study biochemistry, to understand the molecular basis of life, basically. Earlier, you mentioned having worked on a farm after your studies. So how has that helped you? Yeah, I think that probably didn't help me so much in terms of uh, designing experiments or doing research, but I think it helped me to grow as a person and to, to realize that I can achieve something, you know, on, and accomplish something. So I feel in school and in university, often you have to just, uh, yeah, uh, recapitulate things and uh, just do things that the teachers tell you. So doing something on your own and accomplishing um, a project, solving problems. And then of course, with the farm and with vegetables, you get the rewards pretty quickly. You see the outcome. So that was very satisfying and I feel that gave me some confidence, you know, that I could get things done and complete it on my own, that I can rely on my resources. How does your experience at the MPI of molecular cell biology and genetics compare to your postdoc at the University of California, Berkeley, in terms of the institute in general, as well as the scientific culture? Yeah, right. So I did my uh, PhD at the Max Planck Institute for Cell Biology in Dresden. And it was really a great and exciting time when I came there because the Institute had just been inaugurated less than two years before. And so there was still this atmosphere of, of a start and of establishing something new. And there was really the, yeah, the drive to have a very collaborative and um, yeah, fun environment and there was a lot of, um, of events and of uh, measures in place that made it a very interactive uh, environment. So we had 
weekly seminars and as PhD students, we attended uh, month long, long uh, calls where we visited several of the labs. So basically I knew almost uh, about every lab, what they were working on, which methods and so on. And if I had a question, I could just stop by, get advice and uh, discuss science. So it was a really exciting and fun time. And uh, uh, then when I came as a postdoc to UC Berkeley, um, the scientific culture was quite different. So I came to an institute where basically all the doors were locked and I didn't even know who else was working there on the floor and what they were doing. And so that took quite some time to get used to. And uh, actually with a fellow postdoc who had also been a PhD student in Dresden with me, we initiated a, a seminar series for at first for people on the floor so that we would get to know each other. And then also we had a postdoc seminar series. So these were things, you know, where you can try to, um, to kind of improve the situation or to get it more to where you want it to be. But I should also say that I, I had a really fantastic mentor at, as a postdoc and we had neighboring labs that we interacted with. So, you know, we were not completely isolated but it was just very different from what I knew um, as a PhD student. And so I would recommend really if you choose a place for your PhD or postdoc to find that place where people put a lot of effort to generating this atmosphere and this vibe and uh, yeah, collaborative um, situation, it will just be a lot more fun to work there. That sounds really interesting. Uh, did you always know that you wanted to run a lab of your own or did you consider other career options? So I think uh, I'm, I have to admit that I did not really plan very much uh, my scientific career. I just basically followed and was uh, actually had the privilege to pursue what I enjoyed and to work on topics that I liked. And uh, so basically that has led me into becoming a principal investigator. So, um, you know, I, I think I found the subject that I really uh, found fascinating and I want, that I wanted to pursue. And so it was just natural that I, uh, that I fell into this position. I mean, there are other things, of course, that I could imagine doing and that I find interesting, such as uh, science policy, but I never really uh, got involved in that. I see. So what factors then played a role in selecting organelle dynamics during mitosis as a topic of focus in your lab? And did you consider other topics as well, or was this something that you always wanted to do? Yeah, so I would say there was again, uh, also the influence of a teacher or of a professor at university who was a really um, yeah, great teacher. And he, in one of his courses, really conveyed his fascination and excitement with organelles. And that really, I think, led me into cell biology and into studying organelles. So coming from the more really molecular um, side. And um, so then also for my master's, I studied um, membrane trafficking, so um, exocytosis. And uh, during my PhD, then I joined a lab that studied mitosis. And uh, I mean, this is just such a fascinating process. Also, if you can see it in a microscope, this is visually so stunning. Um, so that I, you know, I just couldn't <laughs> help but uh, love this topic. And then as I was searching for a postdoc position, 
I wanted to combine these two interests in membrane biology and in mitosis. And I also had the impression that really these are separate fields. So basically the mitosis people don't care at all about what happens with organelles and the organelle people tend to ignore mitosis. And so this was something that I wanted to explore a bit more and also the connections between the cytoskeleton and organelles and how they change throughout the cell cycle. So then basically I approached a couple of labs with this idea to study this uh, topic. And uh, yeah, I ended up in one of the labs that was uh, with one mentor who was open-minded and uh, gave me the opportunity to pursue this uh, project. On a different note, you had mentioned that the fall of the Berlin Wall was an important moment in your life. Can you please talk a bit more about that? Yeah, so I said in the beginning that I uh, was born in East Germany. So, um, and, and I, of course, I didn't know any other place. And uh, as a child, the, the system and the whole country and the way we lived, that we were kind of fenced in, uh, seemed immutable, right? It seemed such a permanent uh, state and it was hard to, or impossible to imagine that this could ever change. And then uh, pretty much suddenly in 1989, uh, the, the wall came down, everybody could just freely move. And within a year, the country had vanished, right? It was all uh, gone without much noise. So that was, a, I think, a huge, had a huge impact on me because it, at least to me, it gave me this feeling that, yeah, why you can't really plan ahead. You can't really rely on something to be the same way in 20 years from now, 10 years from now. Things can change pretty quickly. So I think that has, at least for me, uh, had the effect that I, yeah, just followed what I enjoyed and try not to plan ahead to see, you know, where will I be in 10 years from now? Because things can change rapidly. I think we have a lot to learn from that, considering we as a generation have also grown up with COVID now, which has gone on for a few years already. So uh, can you share the influence of your mentors in your journey in science? Yeah, I'll try. So I think, um, as I said, for my PhD at the Max Planck Institute, uh, this was... Um, yeah, the Institute had this very open and collaborative atmosphere. And my um, PhD supervisor, Tony Hyman, was one of the directors uh, of the Institute and one of the people who really actively tried to foster this uh, atmosphere. And I think he also, yeah, he always had a very positive attitude and um, was, I mean, I Honestly, he was super busy and I didn't uh, really talk to him that much until it was time to write up a manuscript. But, you know, he could really convey his excitement about new findings and he was always um, encouraging. So, and I think the whole atmosphere that he generated at the Institute and in the lab, that was uh, just something that influenced me a lot. And then also my uh, postdoctoral mentor, Rebecca here, she, um, is a very supportive person and really tries to give, give everybody, every person in her lab the best um, possible opportunities and freedom. So she really allowed people to pursue their own ideas, their own projects. And um, yeah, and she was also super friendly and, and um, yeah, equilibrated person. She was uh, 
just very much fun to work with. So I think these people gave me the idea that you should do science to enjoy it. You know, it's really a privilege. It shouldn't be a rat race. It should be something that you do because, um, yeah, that is fun and you you want to do it and you want to enjoy it. So now that you are a mentor, what qualities do you look for in people who are wishing to join your lab? Yeah, I mean, for sure, they should be uh, interested in the topics we study. That's the most important. And then, I mean, it's really most fun to work with people who are not afraid to and enjoy also thinking for themselves. So it's the best part of science to discuss new ideas, to discuss unexpected observations, or even how to optimize a certain method. And um, so, so that's always best if you have students in the lab who, who will bring in new ideas and new perspectives. And um, yeah, then of course people should be curious and, and also just not afraid to try things out. So usually not much, not many bad things can happen. So um, just go out and explore and um, yeah, and then uh, we should all just have fun together and try to um, try to have a good time here. That's really nice. So having mentored masters and PhD students, how does your approach towards guiding each of them differ? Yeah, I would say initially it doesn't differ so much. Um, of course, so they you do kind of the same discussions and uh, at least initially, uh, the same types of um, preparations, let's say, for the projects. But of course, for a master's project, I would try to find um, a topic where we have a lot of tools and where we can be relatively certain that we'll get uh, meaningful data within five, six months. And for a PhD, of course, there often you have to invest more time in making tools and establishing uh, and setting up certain uh, methods. And maybe that then requires, it can be tedious, of course, let's say in the first year. So that might require a bit more cheerleading on my side. And so I'll, I'll do my best there. But overall, maybe it's more, it more depends on the particular person than on the, whether it's a master's student or a PhD student, how you mentor these people. I see. So it's a, it's a lot more about the people rather than sort of having a set pattern from all set rules, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I mean, every person is different and some people kind of require more guidance or want more reassurance of that what they thought is correct. Some people are more uh, courageous and just try things out. So you, yeah, you have to adapt to the personality. Yep. So now, how was a day in your life now as a PI compared to a day during your master's or during your PhD and your postdoc? Um, I mean, for sure, I do uh, fewer experiments now. I mean, the lab is pretty small, so I still do experiments, but uh, there's also uh, other obligations, of course, in particular mentoring uh, students. And also, I should say, as a PhD student and postdoc, I did not teach at all. So this is now uh, something that has taken more and more time, but I have to say I really enjoy also teaching um, so far. And uh, but the summer there will be a big exams coming up, so this will be new, and I I'm curious how this will uh, this will develop and whether I still enjoy that. 
do you have any open positions for students who want to apply for a rotation or a thesis or a phd position and if so could you give a peek into what that might include yeah sure um so we just recently moved to the biochemistry center here at heidelberg university and we have a brand new lab here ready to admit uh, more students so actually i have two phd student positions that i'm trying to fill currently and there's also space for master's students definitely and uh, as we discussed uh, my lab uh, studies uh, organelle dynamics during mitosis and in particular we have analyzed um, the endoplasmic reticulum uh, which is really fascinating because it re still remains one continuous network during mitosis in contrast to other organelles and we found uh, two particular proteins, the REAP3 and 4 proteins that can bind to microtubules and to the endoplasmic reticulum and promote the distribution and the shape of the endoplasmic reticulum. And what we now try to understand is how this reshaping and redistribution of endoplasmic reticulum is integrated into the cell cycle and how it is coordinated with other organelles and with other uh, events, mitotic events, such as chromosome condensation and segregation. So, and this will be our main handle will be to look into the regulation of REAP3 and REAP4. And uh, apart from that, we found that um, the endoplasmic reticulum, it is mostly excluded from the mitotic spindle and from the chromatin during mitosis but there is one subdomain, so there is a small amount of endoplasmic reticulum that continuously enters the spindle and approaches chromatin. And we have some preliminary evidence that this um, plays a role, plays an active role in mitosis and helps uh, chromosome segregation. And we want to further investigate the properties and the functions of this uh, really uh, unique subdomain of ER during mitosis. So this would be the two projects that we're pursuing currently. So thank you very much for joining us. And I'm sure that our listeners will have lots to learn. And I hope you enjoyed this as much as I have. <laughs> I did. Thank you.